And you have next to me on my right. I am Mark. I like that you introduced me as <laughs> Mark. And over there is Yasmin. My left is Yasmin. It's like we've forgotten how to speak before. So, in our last podcast, we mentioned how Yasmin was off killing all the men, um, yep. torturing um, red haired twins because, twins. Uh, because you know, we don't want to stereotype Egyptian people, but at this time of the year, that's what they like to do. <laughs> So she's back to normal now. Everything's cool. She's not murdering ginger witches. I was trying, I remember I was talking to the other day that I was telling her how it's, it's not okay to be racist or sexist or anything like that. It's absolutely acceptable to slag off ginger people. Oh God, sorry, the gingers that might be laughing at I'm not saying that I do. I'm just saying for some reason it's socially don't. acceptable to do that. I don't that think it's socially acceptable because as you know, I think gingers are stunning. <laughs> Fucking love gingers. Except they have no soul, so that's kind Maybe of Maybe that's why I've been stunning. Issue. I have no soul either. I sold my soul to Satan a long time ago, as well. You wrote his name in your book. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of um, scary things, we are finally going to be talking about Hail Hail, the kind of... It's about time we had an episode of it. I had made up a little kind of rap about it, but I forgot it now, oh, so I don't think I'm going to do it. I could try and make it up. I would enjoy you doing a rap. Well, yeah. he's tip. Stephen King. He's Stephen King. He writes novels so scary you might just shit your ring. If you're not careful, you might just frown. After you see Pennywise the clown, <laughs> don't go down the sewers or you might drown. <laughs> Let's shake up those trees and see what's going down. It's Stephen King. <laughs> Thank you. My favourite bit was when you said shake up because a lot of people don't know that uh, Taylor Swift is one of Stephen King's creations. <laughs> I'm one of his many monsters in his multiverses. <laughs> so, well, Yasmin's going to tell well, us about Stephen King in case you don't know who the fuck this guy is. I'll be honest, if someone doesn't know who Stephen King is, I feel like you just shouldn't be listening. To you shouldn't be listening. They are from really out with our reality. To, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I don't even have words for people who don't know who Stephen King is. It's just wrong. How many um, Stephen King novels... Have you actually read? Ooh. Two. <laughs> and what are they? Uh, the Shining and Misery. I haven't actually read oh. the one that I'm going to do. I have read It, and it's a really long book. I mean, really long. <laughs> I've read Carrie. I've read Cell, which is one of the more recent ones, where, spoilers, <laughs> if you there was a pulse signal that came out, 
um, if you were on the phone at the time and anyone who was on their phone at the time this pulse went through your oh. phone you turn into a zombie oh that's quite cool I guess it was maybe in reaction to people yeah, thinking that they would get cancer through their phones or something. I don't know. I used to read loads of Stephen King books when I was at school. Yeah. So, like, the library and school bride, I read all the Stephen King books that they Ooh. have. But I don't remember most of it because this well, is really you. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I remember loving Carrie and Kujo and Misery. I've not like, read Kujo and Misery. I loved, absolutely loved Kujo. Um, because it was Did it put you off scary. dogs? Not really. I mean, this is a big rabies dog. Rabies are uh-huh. as scary. Rabies are scary. Yeah. Dogs are most I've also read, I've not read The Shining, but I have read, or maybe I did read The Shining and I forgot about it, like you. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely read Doctor Sleep, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. I wanted to, I, I don't I know why I've never read Doctor Sleep because I do want to read it. I'm mm-hmm. saying that as though like somebody is stopping me from reading ever again it's <laughs> actually after doing this I do actually want to go back and read Stephen King books I remember loving them I, I think I read Pet Cemetery. I've definitely read Pet Cemetery as well and I also read his book on writing okay. where Stephen King and it was just after he had the I'm sure you'll touch up on this uh, when he got run over by a guy in a van I think it was a hit and run and he was crippled and he wrote that while he was like he basically wrote quite a lot about that guy. <laughs> he really hates him. Yeah. I mean, I and, um, like it was basically yeah, it was sort of his biography, sort of like his time how he coped after getting hit by the van, and then he was there was a section on how to write mm, good, cool. books. good books. Good books. See, because a lot of what I was reading about him was that he doesn't think that he's actually a good writer. He actually thinks that he's quite mediocre. Yeah, I think his wife was the one that convinced him to not give up and put... He was going to throw Carrie in the trash. I think he did throw it in the trash. He threw away... He wrote, like, three pages and... Actually, that was good. It was probably the wrong order. It was fine. Um, Basically, he would just write little short stories for men's magazines and that's how he started off. Um, And I think he was a teacher at the time. That was his first job after he was a teacher. What did he teach? Uh, English. Yeah, well, no, he, he taught sex ed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, English would make no um, sense, but you know. Yeah, so like, because that also didn't really give you very much money. So he met his wife in uni and he was sort of doing his teaching job, but wasn't really earning very much money. And he would like write loads of little short stories and that would go to like men's magazines and stuff. And then Carrie. Wait, were was, they like Playboy magazines or like Playboy Zoo? Yeah, you don't uh-huh. get those lads' yeah. mags anymore, do you? I wonder why I'm looking at my I know I'm the laddies <laughs> from all the lads. Oh I just love Nuts magazine. <laughs> Sadly, can't get it for love nor money. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but I, one of the short stories was the start of Carrie, and he hated yeah. it because it was awful, so he literally chucked it in the bin. And it's his wife, Tabitha, that pulled it out of the bin, and she loved it. And she was like, No, you have to finish this. Right, she made him finish yeah, it, okay. Uh-huh. And she actually lent him her typewriter, and that's how he started with that, and it turned into a full book. So, oh my god, I'm really sorry. Is that right? He's just. It's so, called Rusty, What was it? Yeah. I know. We're not talking. We're actually all in the same room. Um, well, I was going to say something about Stephen King right about that time. Now, now I can't remember. We're all infected now. It's like being in a Stephen King novel. This is what happens when you're in your mid 30s. I wasn't going to say anything about Stephen King. Oh my god, it's so weird. But, but I, that was like what his first proper novel was mm-hmm. writing that, and it's because she. Last well, what I was going to say. So he's doing his teaching job, and that's obviously not bringing in a lot of money at the time. Mm-hmm. 
and she he wanted to like go get another job or get a second job and it's actually her that said to him no you're not doing that because if you do that then you're not gonna have enough time to actually write right. the books so yeah he's she's basically like a lot of what led to his success oh that's what i was gonna say so, so behind every good great man good man is a great yeah. woman and she's basically yeah. his great women yeah. so she she's a writer as well and so they're like they've got two kids as well and they're writers i've never heard but any of her books patriarchy that is but um yeah if it wasn't for her pulling like the pages carry out a bit mm. and telling him not to get a second job that they'll just get by but with what they have he wouldn't actually be where he is now. When was Carrie published? Can you look that up? Mm-hmm. Because I'm wondering how soon it was between Carrie getting published and it getting made. So that's interesting because Carrie was made in a movie in the mm-hmm. 70s, so it must have taken off so really quickly. Carrie, he sold the story for something like $250 or $400, oh. and then eventually it brought in like $400,000. Wow. Like the book, and launched the career of yeah. John Travolta. So, yeah. <laughs> so it basically, bad thing. he says that he owes his two career to two, his whole career to two women. Two women, Carrie, Carrie and Tabitha. I read Tabitha. when I was looking into it's the origins, like the true origins of his story, that he used to work in a, as a cleaner, as a janny, mm. in a women's locker room, which is a weird thing for a guy to do. So yeah. he used to clean the lockers in the women's locker room and that's what inspired him to write the locker scene in Carrie where you know where they're all throwing like tampons at her and that Um, his wife also said that she would help him with Carrie like with the sort of women's perspective to things yeah it was about like I don't know how to write this and that so he actually weirdly doesn't actually think that he's an amazing writer and even when people like used to like slag him off and say no you're a terrible horror writer all that he's like well I'm doing the best I can and I don't think <laughs> like he's never had these like ideas of grandeur that he's an amazing writer or yeah he is quite a humble this. guy yeah. like um, yeah also, if you made like millions of pounds from your writing if somebody comes up to you and he's like, you're a really shit writer, surely you'd be like, and he's never really, sounds like we're way back to the mansion. Nice. He's <laughs> never left his hometown of Maine, has yeah, he? No, he's, he's, that's quite, I know we were talking about it earlier before we started recording, but right. I know he's got this whole like metaverse and how a lot of his books are like linked to each other. But so even though a lot of characters come up the same, a lot of his books are based in Maine. Yeah, they're all based from, there. So it's that sort of part right, of what you know. Yeah. Well. yeah, exactly. So again, it's it, that also led into his whole ideas of like he doesn't have ideas of grandeur because he's still very within his like, yeah what he sees as his limits. And he takes sense. inspiration from other novels like in Salem's Lot. He mm-hmm. said that that was just basically his take on Dracula, and actually it was his wife. What you mentioned, Tabitha, it was his wife's idea about well, what what would happen? Or no, I think Stephen King said what would happen if Dracula was about. In modern times, and his wife joked, oh. oh, he'd probably just get run over by a yellow oh. cap in Manhattan or something. He was like, yeah, he probably would, but what happens if he goes to somewhere like Maine, where there's not a lot of traffic about oh. and stuff? And that's how he ended up writing Salem's Law. It was basically what would happen if, if Dracula came to a sleepy little town in Maine. Huh. And how what would, what would he do? <laughs> he wouldn't get run over. I that <laughs> makes sense, though, because mm-hmm. everything... It kind of goes back to also what we were talking about before we started recording that like he'll have influenced so many authors that might not name check him, but I suppose that mm. makes him a good guy as well. That he's like, yeah, that wasn't my original idea. It's yeah. Dracula, but I'm like making mm. it my own. Yeah, and he absolutely admits to that that it's not really a unique idea. Well, it's vampires anyway, but it's just his take on vampires, and I suppose nothing's really original. Everyone steals from everyone yeah. else. Yes, yeah. you know. Um, I can't remember what the number is, but there's that saying, like, there's only, I want to say, seven stories. Well, there is... Might be nine. Might be eleven. (laughs) Well, all stories have to have 
a hero, a protagonist, some sort of mystical, magical element, or or a hero rescuing the damsel in distress, or something like, you know, good over evil and things like that. They all have, going back into ancient times, of Mm. ancient storytelling times, they all have the same formula. Yeah, that's true, actually. Just how someone decides to... So I said something that he sort of mentioned because I'm using a lot of things about how he talks about himself as well. He like how because initially when he started producing these things, people were not really or they'd either say, "Oh, you're just a horror writer," or "You're not very good horror." They weren't taken seriously because. Uh, but then the more he started writing, the more that he showed how um, flexible I guess his skills are that he'd be writing like like Shawshank Redemption is completely different to like. Like it, yeah, it's not yes. like horror. Like he's, got, uh-huh. he's got short stories that aren't based yeah. supernatural based, but for uh-huh. some reason are still kind of in the same metaverse like, or yeah. universe as yeah. all these other horrors. Uh-huh. I suppose that also goes back to not well, what I was saying at the start about what I'd read, but that was kind of what I was implying earlier that mm. yeah, I think part of the reason he's good is having only read two of his books, mm. but they're very very different books. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I think he comes under horror, supernatural fiction, suspense, crime science fiction and fantasy and they're all very different parts of the library yeah because Dark Tower is a science fiction fantasy novel no but it it does also link in with it so there's characters from his Mm. other novels which Mark's going to expand on so yeah I mean he creates all these different worlds but then he's sort of insular so he mixes them all up and Mm. maybe he does it I don't know if he does it or people just come to that conclusion but I think Mm. he himself in an interview said that yeah all of his novels it coming from the Dark Tower, you sort of merge them all together mm-hmm. retroactively or whatever through that series of books. Which is cool. Which now I really want to read the Dark Tower books. Like, yeah. you know, now having that in your mind and reading them rather yeah. than just reading all the books would be quite cool. And Carrie with the telekinesis, <laughs> he got inspiration from that because he was looking into how ghost stories or people who claim there's ghosts often isn't ghosts, it's people with. Like poltergeists that have, or the person who claims they've got poltergeist, it's not the poltergeist, it's them that's making things move with their mind rather than. Well, that's where he got the inspiration for the telekinesis thing from. And there was a girl in his school that was basically, she would come in every day wearing the same clothes and she was bullied for that or seen as a weirdo. Um, He's such an iconic. I think if, basically so if you hang about with Stephen King and you're a bit of a, an interesting person, he's gonna you're gonna end up in his yeah. books. Let's face it, you're um, gonna end up a character in one of his books. So it sounds like cool. from it seems like from a very young age he was always has a bit of a dark side mm. and was always had stuff that like sort of disturbed him. And someone was saying like when he was really really young he actually saw his one of his like best friends get run over by a car but so he actually saw his friend dying oh when he right was really, really young. when he was four and, i think yeah and they think that's maybe what then snowballed into other things and he was very interested in like sort of horror magazines and mm. like edgar and poe and like the lovecraft series as well and so he kind of he might have already had like that interest but then watching your friend get like splattered across the road much bigger impact on your life so yeah. he's always had this kind of darkness in him um but watching your friend get splattered across the road it just made me think of like a tom and jerry cartoon i'm sorry i just imagined it that way he just wanders away flat like but like pet cemetery he said that he didn't even want to publish that because it was too close to his personal life like the, he, him and his family did move to a place where there was a busy road and his cat did get run over by trucks and he actually did have to pull his son who's now like
like is it Joe Hill? He, mm. he writes under name Joe Hill. Um, he's also a novelist. He had to pull him away from oh. getting run over. Um, and that's what inspired him to write Pet Cemetery because yeah. he was thinking, well, what if that actually happened? And then if you know what happens when you bury yeah. your pets or oh, there's something oh, about that. Yeah. So that's why he felt like it was too dark a novel. And he didn't. He, it's his least favourite because he put too much of his personal life and his family life into it. But I think that's probably why a lot of his books are they're not just this story yeah. that's set. There's something a lot deeper about them, and mm. even the really really dark ones. There's always still like these elements of hope and like humanity and sort of that good over evil at the end of it. It's not just pure like or oh, it's just a horror film and that's it, and it's not just trying to scare you. There's always something extra yeah. there, or. I think, I think I was student even like he has these like struggles a lot and um, I think you mentioned this earlier about like there's always a lot of themes of like addiction or struggling mm. and he did actually at points struggle with like oh he had a massive cocaine and alcohol, alcohol addiction alcohol drugs everything yeah so a lot of his personal life then feeds into his actual stories which yeah always gives him a lot more depth because like Danny alcoholism maybe the character in The Shining like mm. Danny's dad yes. what was he's called mm. Jack uh, Torrance Jack. He was an alcoholic, abusive alcoholic to his son. Maybe there was part of that mm. in his own life at the time. And misery was based on his drug addiction as well, like how yeah. the drugs can never leave you. Um, so the woman from misery, I can't remember her name, Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes is basically a metaphor for his addiction to cocaine mm. and how she will never let him go and things like that. Whereas people assume it's because it's about like super fan want him to write Mm. novels is actually about his struggle with drugs which I find was really an interesting point but then that makes sense because I suppose he would use cocaine as like a driving force to write his drugs drugs because it's like that whole idea that I think he wrote good I don't know he he did write a few well obviously he wrote a few novels while he was on Mm. cocaine um, and there was also a movie and um, right just talk amongst yourselves <laughs> I was about to say uh, is, but when it came on I was like is, you're not going to get this by tattoo playing somewhere here's Johnny I'm back <laughs> I don't know why I genuinely was looking for someone behind you like oh my god Jack Nicholson's here <laughs> like you were introducing him why what were you saying we're just bitching about parents you have to take that whole thing out sake okay I don't care um, if you take it out or not, but I feel like people would find it very boring to listen to. <laughs> yeah, because we we'll don't really speak. Okay, about. where were we? Chop that whole chunk out. Um, we were talking about. Oh, cocaine. I was going to say, right, there was a film that I only recently found out about called Maximum Overdrive. Oh. It was about machines that come to life and try and kill you and stuff. And Stephen King hates that movie. Well, he directed it, I think, hmm. and he's in it, but he doesn't remember anything about it because he was so high on coke. And you can probably tell if you watch the movie <laughs> how shit it is. <laughs> and he's like, no. Is I, it an I 80s really, film? Because yeah. I imagine there's a lot of 80s films that fall into that. Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and also the sequel to um, The Shining, Doctor Sleep, Danny, his, like, Jack's son, has also become an alcoholic as well. So, mm. yeah, I guess he brings that into his own life. Which, to be fair, would make sense. I feel like mm. if you... Where, what is it, had the shine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where shiny? Um, <laughs> so, you probably would be an alcoholic because it seems like a lot yeah, to cope with. It does seem like a lot. And so, maybe it's in your genes, like because they say alcoholism is a disease. They do say that. It's like whether you're more susceptible or, mm-hmm. to it or not, or like how addictive your actual personality is. Yeah. What if they could tell you up front? <laughs> that sounds like when you're having your meeting when we're a baby. Like, why do we not bring it up there? Check your genes and be like, oh, by the way, just you're someone that could be quite susceptible to, to this or that or like you're at risk of cancer you're at risk of becoming an alcoholic it would be useful to know that is a true um, fact yeah. 
So Stephen King, overall, because I don't know if he had this many books, to be honest, has sold more than 69. Sixty nine, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, 69. so sixty-three oh. um under Stephen King and seven under his pen Richard Bachman. Oh yeah, I remember this. I remember my dad got a Richard Bachman book from the library. Uh-huh. And he said, Oh, this is brilliant, it's really scary. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he had no idea that that was actually Stephen mm-hmm. King. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also got 200 short stories and are published in sort of book collections, which again... It's rather know. impressive. Yeah, and he sold 350 million copies of his books, which... Do you think he wrote good. the pseudonym Richard Bachman to prove that he could sell novels without the name Stephen King on it? Because some people just see the name Stephen King and think, oh, it must be good because it's a Stephen King book. Mm. Or maybe he just did the Richard Bachman thing to prove that he could still write novels and people would still yeah, enjoy wasn't them. Yeah, name that was yeah, not making for his the name. novel popular. It was, uh-huh. yeah. I'll just Google it really quickly, but yeah, he was trying to see... Because he doesn't think that he's a good writer, he was trying to see if his success was due to talent or luck. Ah, uh-huh, that's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm, that's quite cool. But yeah, I didn't know that he wrote under any other name, really, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, he writes six nine books plus two hundred short stories. Um, I'd say he's he's very talented. Uh, I, I would say he's, he's definitely very yeah. talented, and I don't understand why he doesn't believe that he's talented. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Are, like uh, like even if you watch interviews, I'm so humble and he's so like yeah. He does seem like a genuinely just, nice guy. Like he doesn't seem like someone that's writing all these like messed up stories. Although he was very so angry lovely. towards the guy that basically left him for dead after hitting him with yeah. a van but that, you would be that, that does seem quite reasonable <laughs> yeah I think that's very understandable what's your favourite Stephen King book <laughs> um, yeah my favourite Stephen King book that I've read is probably Doctor Sleep which is one of his most recent ones because I like so the happy. the weirdness of it like the hat the, what's she called something the hat um, they're like a band of gypsy people but they're vampire people they oh. basically they hunt people who have the shine they've got the shine in and they they suck it out of them like vapor and it gives them life but they're not sucking their blood they're no they're not sucking their they kill them they yeah they have to kill them basically to get the cool. what they call they call it steam and then, no, but it's so fucked up because the only way they can get the steam is if they torture, and it's often children or people that anyone, even if it's a child, oh they will cut them up and torture them. So the more they suffer, the more steam will emit from so them, funny. and they'll suck the steam out. It's a bit like you know that scene in Hocus Pocus where the witches <laughs> take the virgin child yes. and suck their essence from them. That's what it sort of reminds me. Except oh, instead of just getting them to drink something, they horrendously torture them so that the steam comes out and they'll put they'll put them in jars for like safekeeping and that's how they they live a long time but if they don't get the steam they sort of like (laughs) they shudder in and out of existence they sort of disappear it's fucking weird it's it's brilliant i really like it i don't know why i haven't read it oh it's so good because i really like (laughs) The Shining, and obviously I really like his kind of ideas, but then even, again, in saying that, like, The Shining's my favourite, but I decided that I was going to talk about it, but I've never mm-hmm. actually read it. Like, I've no, seen yeah. both of the adaptations it. of it, and I really like the ideas that are in it, because I've read yeah. about it, but I haven't there read There is it. a really dodgy scene in it, the novel, where they obviously left us out of the, the film, mm-hmm. both adaptions, where in order to strengthen them, they're... I don't know why, but they thought that if they weren't virgins, they could fight Pennywise or lose their innocence somehow. They would be stronger fighting Pennywise. So they all have sex with Beverly. 
This is when they're kids. What does that mean? One, one by one they have <laughs> sex with, with like Beverly. That would be <laughs> so still child gang weird, bang. but less weird if they were all like 15 year olds no. and there was an equal mix of people who actually wanted to have sex with each other. But yeah, to just be like, we're all small children, let's all fuck this one girl. Yeah, like, like so that they're no longer virgins. I mean, what do you but think it would be better if the boys fuck like, each other? <laughs> but, wait, how old are they in it? Like, are they not like, like twelve? In the sewers? Uh-huh. Yeah, they're twelve. Did they know? Yeah, no, I Did still don't think that would be. Well, I don't know, wait, but I, I, that's I what happens in the novel. Oh, man. So. Also, surely that's weird because they're not the whole thing that like that adults are blinded to what's going on. So surely, if you lose your innocence, you're. Oh, I can't. I haven't read the novel. Then you wouldn't be. You wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah, if you lost your innocence, you... then. Pennywise can kind of like wipe himself from your memory unless you're directly observing him. So, but is sleeping with someone is that a lot takes to lose your innocence? I mean, yeah. I would argue no. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. The, or we being could, coerced into sleeping with someone as yeah, well. That exactly. definitely doesn't make you lose your innocence. That's like. Like Stephen King needs to answer to this one now. <laughs> well, I do. It's a long novel. It's yeah, really fit. It's, it's probably one of his biggest ones. He also wrote about. JFK going back in time to save John F. Kennedy or something. There was oh. uh, there was a series based on that novel with James Franco. Again, another controversial figure that's mm-hmm. now cancelled. <laughs> um, I've got. I mean, have you got? You like no, Carrie, don't, don't you? Yeah, I like Carrie. I think my favourite one actually was The Green Mile. The Green Mile. I've not read that. I've only horror. seen the movie. Like, see, to be honest, it's very, very close to the movie, but it ends a bit differently. But I, I usually I actually hate, did hate watching films that I like the book of. Mm. But that's one story that I actually think like lent itself to a film really, really well. I don't know whether I have a false memory, but I think I have read that. Maybe it's really close to the film. Like mm. really I've not read film. it, but I do. I mean, I think okay. the film's like an amazing film. Yeah, the book is better. Than no, the film. I think he mentioned film. it in his on writing book. Right. That character. Oh, no, I think the Green Mile's amazing, and it doesn't fall into your whole horror kind of. But then there is thing. the argument that he that John Coffey's a magical Negro character. But the thing is, cause there is <laughs> the thing is there is stuff in the book about does he actually have magic powers or not? Uh, because he sucks. Like, it'll look, actually, if you're following, I don't want to ruin it for you. No, I think like, people I feel like if people I don't think watch people... it, what happens in Stephen King? All right, me. No, I thought you were people listening. Oh, no, don't tell it, me. Right? Yeah, watch it. Have you not seen it? Have you seen it? Right, so it's not a spoiler. Well, that's okay, but he, there's parts where he sucks out the diseases of all the people in the, the prison and he puts it into the, um, I can't his name, the annoying guard. Like he puts the bad it, one? Uh-huh. So he has the power, and uh, like, you know, he's in prison. He can get, take cancer out of people. Yeah, he take cancer out of people. But remember, he was in prison because they thought that they'd He'd raped those girls, yeah. He'd raped and killed them, but he was actually trying to like Disabled. suck the, the, the dead bad the dead out there yeah, he was there trying yeah. to so there is is he actually magical or hmm. and everyone in that prison will swear to you that he has some but then around. wasn't the Tom Hanks guard he couldn't piss or something he yes. had something with his prostate yes. and he, he helped, he helped him yeah. and he lived along with the mouse yeah. Mr. Jangles yeah. to fucking ridiculously old age well in the book Mr. Jangles Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I realised you said passes away as though Mr. Jangles is a close personal friend of Bulbars and Leslie and I hadn't been informed I'm actually devastated <laughs> <Jasmine. laughs> when I read the book I was nearly crying at that I'm like oh my god it proper got to me that he died and I was like why so I'm quite happy in the film they didn't make him die in the end because it was horrible 
Um, but yeah, that's probably my favourite. So you're saying maybe in the, the in, well in the book it's implied that he might not be magical, but in the movie they definitely apply he's magical. That's what it seems yeah. to me. Uh-huh. In yeah. the book it's kind of right. it's left up to So it's Hollywood that are creating the magical yeah. negro, not uh-huh. Stephen King. But he does put the crap into the evil um, prison guard guy. Yeah, but maybe he was evil already, yeah. so he just he exposed them. Um, well, I've got a list of... I'll just go over them. A list of Stephen King... Because we were looking at... Well, Mark's going to look into the, the more mythical sides of mm. Stephen King characters um, and storylines, where I'm going to look at true stories behind mm. Stephen King novels. And cool. one of them, which I've never read, A Good Marriage. There's so many of his books, though. Uh, I, I might I'll I'll start. Go, I can read all these books. Yeah, yes. which I'm interested in them now so there's a, it's a novel called A Good Marriage and it's about a woman who's been married to her husband for nearly 30 years they sell rare coins everything's okay that is until the woman discovers her husband is a notorious serial killer seems like an obvious story like you know to think up of and it's based on the real serial killer Dennis Rader who everyone knows is a torture killer BTK and he did he was married for he had, a ma- he had a wife and a family. Yeah, and she had no idea, no idea that he was going to torture and killing people. His daughter still says now, doesn't she? Not that he's a lovely person. Yeah. She <laughs> accepted his crimes, but that like there was mm. literally never any issues in the home. Like yeah. He was a great dad and they like all the time they spent together was genuinely lovely. Yeah. And she's like, I know, like 100% believe that he did what he did yeah. and I understand that that clearly is true, but he never was like bad to yeah. me or my mum ever yeah his yeah. friends and neighbours never suspected anything he was even part of his local he was a as part of a church a local church oh, wow. he was one of the leaders in the church and he was sending shit to the police from a computer inside that church that's how he got caught because oh, really? he was an idiot and said to the cops that he was talking to if I send you a floppy disk will you be able to trace it back to me and obviously the cop's going to say no knowing full well that he could. So he sent him a floppy disk and he traced it back to oh the computer God. in that church. That <laughs> That's how he got caught. The film Mr. Brooks and all that. It's like, yeah, he's a serial killer, but he's a really lovely guy that everyone likes. Oh, maybe that's based on... Yeah. I don't know if that's a separate novel or if it's based on A Good Marriage. I'm not sure. Maybe. I can rolled off it properly, but what would you do if you found out your spouse was a serial killer? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. It's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. How would you react to that? I mean... Anyway. What's on TV tonight? Who's next? Said the inspiration for It came from a bridge. Yes, I... Oh. Ah, okay. I'll leave that for you, Mark, then, to cover. But he said, well, it basically, he was saying that there was a massive sewer system underneath this place called Bangor, Maine. Mm. And that he said that it was rumored that you could put like an entire canoe down it and come out the other end, and it was like you could get lost down there. So it's not that's... really like the only bit that I would add into that, which I can do now. Yeah, because we're yeah, go ahead. It, jump, that jump was just in. Like one wee bit is that yeah, it was it was based on a specific bridge that was over that sewer system because he thought it looked like somewhere a troll would live. Oh, so when he started writing it, it was going to be a book about a troll that only children could see. Uh, and then as he went on and developed the book, he obviously brought in other influences, yeah. which I'll go on and talk about. But initially, when I he started like writing the book... I was an old was wooden bridge, going. which caused him to remember an old fairy tale about the three goats and counting the troll that mm-hmm. lived the bridge. I'm really surprised at that. I can see yeah, why maybe, like, again, another serial killer, John Wayne Gacy, he's, he's coming up with a clown image yeah. because he dressed as a clown, as Pogo the Clown. Mm. A children's entertainer, but then yeah, um, but he killed men mostly, young boys. The Shining was based on a real hotel. I mean, I've been in many a hotel. 
that reminded me of the shine in like the Grand Central Hotel in London, and not in London, in, in Glasgow, before it was all done up, was scary as shit. <laughs> really creepy um, with long corridors like that and creaky lifts and just spooky yeah, ass creepy, yeah actually. have you ever stayed in a hotel that reminded you of The Shining yeah I've stayed in a good few hotels that remind me of The Shining <laughs> and I've stayed in loads of hotels that remind me of what I like about The Shining which is that whole sort of <laughs> closed doors unnerving just because you don't know what's behind the yeah. door like you know the way it's really unnerving right from when they arrive at the hotel uh-huh. before anything's ever even There's really happened it, yeah. but I think that's I've stayed in a lot of hotels that I'm like it's like it's too quiet. It just has that creepy vibe. Yeah, but it's like it feels as though there's nobody else here. Yeah. But there's clearly yeah. something going on behind those doors. Which again it's just probably, you know, somebody irons their trousers or something. But <laughs> it's just so uh-huh. no, it's true, weird that you're like temporarily living somewhere but you so, don't know what's going on. He was inspired by the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. In 1974, him and his wife stayed in room two one seven of the Stanley, a room rumored to be haunted. As King slept, he dreamt he dreamt his young son was being chased around the hotel by a fire hose. He said, "I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of my book firmly set in my mind." Mm-hmm. Standing Hotel embraces um, its immortal spookiness, and they have an annual horror. F- so it's still there. Oh, I thought maybe it might oh. be like a like an abandoned hotel yeah. by now, but yeah, why not? And then I've said before, Annie Wilkes from Misery was inspired by drugs. Mm-hmm. He said Annie was my drug problem, and she was my number one fan. God, she never wanted me to leave, he said. <laughs> it was also inspired by the Evelyn Waugh story, The Man Who Liked Dickens. In the Waugh's tale, a man holds another man captive and forces him to read Charles Dickens aloud. <laughs> yeah. King said he pondered what it'd be like if the man had managed to capture Dickens himself. Wow, that would be weird. Annie Wilkes is a nurse by trade and is suspected of murdering several children under her care. This aspect of her origin story is also based on Janine Jones, a former nurse who is believed to have killed as many 60 children. She would poison them, then try to rescue them and receive praise. That's called Munchausen by By proxy. proxy. Yeah. Yeah, and try and get sympathy. Yeah. By making other sick and then try to save them. Mm I mean, I've gone over Carrie and I've gone over mm. Dracula, Salem's Law, uh, The Stand. That's one I've never read either. No, much. I don't no. actually know what The Stand's no, about. about. It says The Stand follows the survivors of a deadly flu that decimates the majority of the world's population. Oh, it's oh, about God. just now. Oh, God. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so he predicted that. <laughs> King explains that he'd always wanted to write an epic fantasy novel akin to the work of J.R.R. Tolkien. He found inspiration for such an epic tale when he happened to see a TV programme on chemical warfare and was horrified by footage of lab mice dying. That programme combined with a story King read about a chemical spill in Utah resulted in the death of several sheep served as the basis for The Stand. Also, the character Kim Crimson, that just reminds me, he based that's basically his Sauron because he's like a bit like an evil thing that has a big eye, I don't know, that's it's kind of... It's not got it's evil, form. Yeah, that's not got form. Okay. So he takes a lot of inspiration from, like we said, mm. other novel yeah. novelists like Bram Stoker and J.R.R. Tolkien's a big influence as well. Mm-hmm. Lissy's story was inspired by Eumonia. I've never the, heard of Lissy's yeah, story. Yeah, I know, that came up, but I think they've made that into a movie or, or something, but I've not seen it. It's about the wife of a deceased novelist who is approached by a mysterious and threatening man two years after the novelist's death. The guy wants all of the late author's papers, and Lissy must figure out why. 
he said he was inspired to write that after he was stricken with pneumonia and stuck in the hospital and during that time his office was renovated and he came home to find his belongings in boxes he realised this is what his office would be like when he dies it's not really much much of a horror story except to him (laughs) you know that way where someone tidies up your shit and you're like you can't find anything and it's really annoying (laughs) basically what that is all about you've got like sort of organised chaos (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh my god. was inspired by a St. Bernard that just didn't like him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've come across St. Bernards and they're lovely big right. dogs. Yeah, like, they're I've not scary. I've never ever met a mean St. Bernard, yeah. so it is weird that. Because he does seem sound. I'm Maybe more he was scared going around when he was coked out his tits, to be fair. Maybe he was, yeah. And making the St. Bernard, like, jumpy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they rescue dogs. They oh. rescue people, don't they? So someone is already this. Everyone else rescue dogs that went missing, and they had to go look for it. Yeah. On the search and rescue. Oh, dog. that's oh. a shame. It's a search and search and rescue dog, and it went missing. So he was inspired by an actual St Bernard he met in nineteen seventy seven. He met the nasty pooch at a motorcycle shop after bringing his bike to the mechanic. Mm. The dog didn't tear him apart, but it did growl a lot at him. Oh my god. The dog owner (laughs) said that he wasn't normally like that. So he said, I guess he just don't like your face. (laughs) King recalled the owner saying, to be fair though, Stephen King does have a bit of a scary face. So I could imagine why the dog may have thought he was a bit creepy looking and probably I'd growl at him as well if I was a dog. I don't know if I'd growl at him, but he is quite unusual looking. He is unusual looking, so I just think it funny that he said that dogs don't normally like that, implying that it only barks at Stephen King. (laughs) (laughs) I've went over thinner before, which I find really scary because I don't like really, really thin things, like thin (laughs) men, do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It freaks me out. Um, it's a bit of man cursed to lose weight and grows increasingly gone. He was inspired to write the story after his doctor told him to quit smoking and shed okay. some pounds. See, I thought it was about an actual like condition people had. Oh. As King lost weight, he wondered what it'd be like to keep growing slimmer and never stop. He said, I went to see the doctor and he told me, listen man, your triglycerides are really high. In case you haven't noticed it, you've entered heart attack country. Oh. He said he used that line in the book. Again, if you say something interesting, Stephen King, <laughs> chances are you're going to be in his novels. Needful Things is based on the 80s. That's a what, weird the one. The yeah, oh, no, that, the whole of the that 80s. That makes sense to me. So just... Does it? Have you read that book? No, but because it's about like the whole monkey's paw thing, so you're wishing for... like, Is that not Needful Things? It's like you get it's what about... you wish for, but you don't really get what you wish for because uh, actually you're getting too much of whatever yeah. X, Y, or Z is. Or what you're and that was the 80s. It was like... You want a car, buy this car that's bigger than a house. You yeah. want a house, buy this house it's the size of a block of flats. Like, so we're going to bankrupt Yeah, place. basically we said that it was... Well, Needful Things is about a man who opens a bizarre curiosity shop. He's quite charismatic. The prices are low and some of the items have astonishing helpful properties. Mm. However, the store owner, Leyland Gaunt, requires each customer to play a prank on another person in order to snag the item. And then it turns the towns to chaos. So the best, I guess, it's like this, the greed is good thing in about the eighties. Yeah. He said, "It occurred yeah, it doesn't to me." Who you fuck over if you yeah. get something that helps you, but really, it's not helping you because it's it's self, being selfish and greedy. Is, yeah, he oh, said that the eighties, everything had come with a price tag. That the decade, quite literally, was the sale of the century. The final items up on the block had been honour, integrity, self-respect, and innocence. By the time I got home that night. I decided to turn the eighties into a small town curio shop called Needful Things and see what happens. Of course. I know how I read this now. 
He said, if I just kept in mind the Baker's doghouse, which had been equipped with heaters and running water, I would be okay, and that's what he did. So he's saying his neighbours had like a ridiculously over-the-top doghouse, like so he has to impress everybody how rich they were. Guess the neighbours. Suppose when you think of the eighties, when we're child children of the eighties, yeah. everything was kind of a bit over the top. They had big hair, they had yeah. big shoulder pads, big everything was yeah. like massive and yeah. over the top, like big disco lights yeah, and. That's true. Yeah. Really crazy makeup, like really colourful ah, shirts. Everyone was cool. just mental. Stand by Me was based on King's mm-hmm. childhood, which is what you mm-hmm. mentioned, Jazz, yeah. about how there was an event when his friend was, what should you say, quote, splattered Splatter. across oh. the road. He used the medical term. <laughs> he said he didn't remember the incident, but does remember his mother telling him about that yeah. day. I was going to say that, like, after that, he just went totally, totally quiet and almost mm. like buried that trauma. But then when people told him, oh, by the way, your friends died, then it obviously just affects them a lot. Yeah, well, that's that. really all I've yeah. got about his books being based on... I mean, it's right about what you know, yeah. which is really, in, it's, it's really cool. It's where his ideas come from. Like. Yeah, so which takes us to Mark. Well, I'll talk about where some yeah. of his ideas came from. So I yeah, specifically looked at it, although there are other characters that you've brought up that kind of guess. fall into the same category where he was kind of drawn on the same thing. Like, is it Jenny the Hat? I think it's Maggie. Maggie the hat. Yeah. So her and her like sort of posse, the fact that they kind of slip in and out of reality. Not that mm. they want to slip in and out of reality, uh-huh. um, but the fact they slip in and out of reality. Um, the red guy. When they, red King, King, King Crimson. King Crimson, thank you. I'm really doing very <laughs> yeah, well. I like the one who's on my side. I'm yeah. pick him up in a minute. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> red guy. Uh, King Crimson, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there's like m- several characters in a lot of his more sort of fantastical works that drawing the same thing anyway so I'll talk about that yeah. but yeah so they all kind of fall under the same umbrella as Pennywise the clown mm. or It as it's also yeah. known the It of the novel which is they're all which based Allard on might be King Crim- Crimson himself so they might be the same being because mm. he's a were spider and as we know it was a bit lame Pennywise is also a, a fucking spider a thing spider um, <laughs> which I thought was shit <laughs> 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 he's more interesting as a clown's me than and then there's the, 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 the deadlights as well that well that's what up. I was going to say so mm. technically he's not a spider he's the deadlights yeah. maybe he is a spider which would then make him this but anyway either way he's like a, <laughs> so confusing him and all these other creatures are like eldritch mon, eldritch monstrosities mm. um, so eldritch monstrosities are in fact no I'll explain what Pennywise is first for anyone that's not read okay. it yeah. Pennywise is a shape-shifting being as we were just saying yeah. so he often appears as a clown but he can appear as other things including a spider mm-hmm. and he feeds on fear yeah. and feasts on the frightened every 27 years and you had to say that slowly with my yeah, yeah, it's a bit work feasts on the frightened every 27 years the way in which he mostly appears is inspired by terrifying awful things to look at such as, as you said, Leslie, Pogo the Clown and Ronald McDonald. Yeah, nightmares. Um, yeah, so he appears... Like, to me, if he appeared to me, he would appear as a really tall, slender man. Which is one of the things that he appears as to people. Fuck. Because he appears <laughs> in ways that... that. Yeah. He appears as things that... That you're afraid of. On yeah. nerve. So, mm. it's almost like, if he's not in kill mode, yeah. if he's not one of the... T- it's like he wants to be... 
he wants to drum up as much feed as possible because that's uh, what he feeds off of. So he'll appear like almost... Fattening something up before you eat it. It's like Maggie the Hat and her troop torturing kids to get yeah. as much steam yeah. out of them as like possible. Like he wants as much feed as possible yeah. before he has his big yeah. feast. Uh-huh. So he'll appear as whatever it is that's going to unnerve you. Uh-huh. Rather than actually send you like running into the night, he wants to be like out the corner of your eye unnerving you. The Ronald McDonald comparison, which uh-huh. Stephen King has said, would uh-huh. obviously work for me because... I say, does he not like Ronald McDonald? He well, he like said... Clowns. Who is it? He said, like, oh, the clowns. Like, I don't I'm not like clowns. Them, but they're unnerving. They're Yeah, so he said, this isn't a direct quote, but it was like exactly that. So, because he's trying to make people uncomfortable and unnerve them, mm-hmm. the most common way that he appears is as a clown that is a combination of Pogo, Bozo, Clarabelle. Do we know who? I don't know who Clarabelle is. No. Clar- I don't really know who Clarabelle is. I looked up an image of him. Assumed it'd be oh, her. I thought it was a girl. Um, I was like, it was a girl. It was girl basically clown. like I think Clarabelle was like the was Bozo but older. Okay. Black and white Bozo because Bozo was like on American TV from what the mid nineteen forties. So I think it's an even older. See, do you know my? Like this him. is weird. My earliest memory of clowns, and this is fucked up. I must have had such a fucked up imagination, oh. honestly. Um, was you know how the SCCC carnival like every year? It's been cancelled this year because Sturgeon says no because um, of coronavirus <laughs> but it, it, it was every year there would be like shows what we call shows or carny rides or whatever and it would be indoors in an exhibition centre there would be one massive one outside and you would go there and have fun on the rides yeah. but there was also the Bobby Roberts Circus would always be there as well okay. not recently but even the Bobby Roberts Circus like on, like just the name of that for some reason I'm nervous yeah well I went my parents took me yeah. to see the Bobby Roberts Circus as well as going to see the carnival and I remember my earliest memory is of just seeing these clowns wandering about and one of them had massive spines coming out of his oh, back. That's you know like that scene in Beetlejuice where mm. they pick yeah. him up and his spines come out of his back? Oh. That's what the clown looked like to me. And I don't know whether that was real or in my imagination or what, because but, I hadn't seen people just at that point. Because they deliberately hear stuff that like knocks their shape off kilter. It maybe. makes sense that to children's brains you would see that even the more terrifying. Like they are, and well, my earliest memory of clowns, which I may have said on the podcast before, and I've said to you two before, because obviously I hate clowns. Yeah. But I think part of the reason I hate clowns is, I've also said this to you guys before, it's Ronald McDonald, which makes it funny that that's what <laughs> Stephen King said he really drew on Ronald McDonald because he has unnerving. Ronald McDonald is very unnerving. There used it? to be an advert on TV when we were all younger and it would start off and Ronald McDonald would appear outside the window. So the advert would be going and there'd be kids in the house and then it, he would just appear outside the window. Oh, that is like waving at them but not moving his arm. So just like holding his arm still in a wave motion uh. head. And then the next thing he would appear in the middle of the stairs and do this sort of weird walking down the stairs dance where he was like okay. swinging each foot in there. I don't remember this. Made me want to throw up, still unnerves me now. Like, and really don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Weird, 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 weird. They're just a bit people, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, they don't feature, tend to feature Ronald McDonald's and McDonald's adverts over here at least. I don't know if they've oh, removed them from American ads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, Pennywise <laughs> and all these other characters are eldritch beings. So, things that make Pennywise an eldritch character, the qualities he has, he can influence and manipulate, mm. which goes on a lot with this idea of an eldritch character, and I'll mm. expand on what that is yeah. in a minute, but. There's this idea that they can kind of whisper in your ear without even being near you. They want to turn people against each other. They oh want my. to encourage whatever quality it is they're feeding on. So he wants to encourage fear mm. because he feeds on fear. What would yours be, yes? If Pennywise mm. was to it, get your fear? 
I thought you meant if Yaz is an Eldritch no, being. No, no, what no. Would you no. Feed on? Like, what would you So you make China so dolls come to life in front of Right, okay, like, okay. So even the fact that you've got those kind of dolls over there, oh. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep in this room. Okay. Would it be creepier for you if they were like really wee, like the size of a thumb or the size of an actual woman? See, see the way that the dolls are like that, they're the size of children. Yeah. Like not even 10 years, it's the size of a small child. Right. Yeah. They okay. terrify you, like genuinely, even thinking about it right now, it's quite scary. Okay. I get that. Because they're going to yeah. come alive and kill you and jump on you and sit on your chest and you can't move. Just like clowns, yeah, exactly. Like. Right. <laughs> but a smaller version of clowns and more evil. So a, a, a porcelain clown yeah. would be extra terrifying. Yeah, because that's a really creepy looking doll as well. See the ones when they're dressed in the wee, like old kind of old the, fashioned dresses. The Piero, Piero, Piero type. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, like the ones. Like the pom poms. Kinda... No, no, like the dolls. The oh, the dolls. Sorry, if I were to have the clowns. No, no, no. The ones <laughs> are like the sort of the curly. Yeah, the Victorian yeah, ones. Like that, even Victorian dolls. Yeah. 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 With the yeah. dark shark, shark eyes yeah. and they've got. Yeah. Really yeah. Little scary teeth and dimples. I don't know why you need to have that. Because their efforts are slightly too. Like, yeah, Debbie, my, my old friend Debbie used to have shitloads of those dolls all why? over her bedroom. Why? And why? when I stayed over, um, it was very unnerving sleeping amongst that staring at you and one of them fell and it smashed its head open which was even that worse that was definitely going to kill you oh, oh, so <laughs> other quality that Pennywise has that would tie in with that so if we were round at someone's house and Yaz was unnerved by the doll and it fell and smashed and she uh-huh. looked into its head and saw its deadlights then she may go mad but what may also happen is that she might start screaming and we'll be like what's wrong and then she'll be like nothing I was just looking for my bag because there's this whole thing with eldritch entities because they don't really fully exist in our reality. Sometimes mm. if you perceive them... Is that like why when... The Bev, memory's then gone? Bev oh. in the movie sees like all this blood coming out of her, her sink. Yeah. That's oh. him doing that to scare her, but to everyone else, it looks like she's just washing her hands. And then even there's oh. like scenes like when they first come yeah. back to the town and some of them properly can't remember anything, it's because... Yeah. As soon as they're not in contact with it, it's gone. And even to the sort of extent of you could be like facing an eldritch corner, freaking out and then turn your back on it and your brain like switches off that it's ever been there because it's not supposed to be in our reality anyway. Like the way you would forget a dream after you both Yes. Right, that's a good way of putting it. Tell us about the deadlights. So some people would say that like eldritch eldritch horrors, the way we perceive them is as a horror to us, Mm -hmm. like a clown. Um, because we're unable to perceive their true form and the closest we can get to perceiving their true form because it's not a form from our reality so a form that we can actually see mm-hmm. is something like the deadlights in Stephen King's novels so mm-hmm. there's that bit of sort of debate over people that are fans of the novel of whether he is an interdimensional spider mm-hmm. or whether that's just another thing that a lot of people are scared of spiders right. and really when they see the deadlights right. that's the true him and the deadlights oh. are these kind of glowing spinning orbs that come out of but arguably actually are Pennywise uh-huh. so really all he is is those tiny little lights and the clown is just the form that he's taking yes the form that we can... because but it's not his true form it's not his true form but yeah. we couldn't understand right. his true form it's yeah. almost like it's like he's like divine light but the opposite mm-hmm. evil light yeah and then the other thing on seeing the deadlights which I kind of touched on there is that there's also the idea that if you see the deadlights and you don't break away from them so you can see them break away from them and then you can't remember anything going on or you can stare directly into them and then you just lose your mind and again that's what that happens to Billy Bowers in the novel yes. he's a bully he's a bully that like he's an older kid that bullies the, the losers club yeah. 
and he gets picked up by it and he stares into the deadlights and that means he's basically connected to it. He goes mental and it controls him through his fear. Mm. His hair goes white and he ends up in a mental institute. And but he doesn't can, quite die. You can die or you can go insane. And it's easier for it to control him because yeah, you can whisper it in more easily because mm-hmm. he's if connected it's to whispering him. in one of our ears we'd be like, yeah. why am I thinking that whereas mm. he just does what he's told yeah. because the madness has taken him and again that's a lot in like writings about eldritch beings it's like if you instead of turning away or trying to block it out if you fully try to focus on it you just lose your mind yeah, it has control over you yeah so this whole idea which you kind of said earlier and I'm sure you being Yaz because nobody can see what I'm pointing <laughs> and a lot of people would a lot of people would agree with a lot of Stephen King would agree with mm. that he based this idea and maybe some of his other ideas on the works of H.P. Lovecraft because mm. quite often people don't say eldritch beings they would say Lovecraftian monsters mm. I've heard of H.P. Lovecraft and I know about like his character Cthulhu mm-hmm. which is one of his like more famous someone characters. Do, a lot of people love Cthulhu for yeah. some reason like he's some sort of lovely creature <laughs> like <laughs> he's like this big sea monster that lives that he's like a squid thing yeah with tentacles it's just a few and, like pure what, games and stuff He's in loads of things. He's, he's in South stuff. Park. Yeah, he's loads of stuff. He's got so quite a lot of the stories that Lovecraft wrote. Oh, I'll just throw in at this point, mm. by the way, because I did say this to you guys earlier. Like, I mm. love Lovecraft. However, I'm aware, for anyone who else is aware of his work, that he is a massive, massive racist. Is he oh. a Nazi? Effectively, yeah. When did he... When was he alive? Like, when... when what... Yeah, he was born in 1890. Oh, you. Um, when did he die? In 1937. Oh, okay, so he, he did live to see fascism rise, yes, but and he not is, quite. I mean, he was a fascist, but all of his stuff is like racist allegory, but if you don't read it as that, okay, it's really good horror. Right. I feel like we need a Lovecraft episode. I mean, a, a Lovecraft. Yeah, maybe we should cover Lovecraft yeah. in a but I'll give you a li- We can cover yeah. more of them in another one, yeah. but I'll give okay. you like a little bit in Cthulhu because that's one of his most well-known characters. Oh, yeah. And it, again, the same kind of rules apply, but with Cthulhu, so Cthulhu, quite often in things that he's in, he's like a sea god and he rises up out of the sea, but that's not actually true. He's in a being from out with our reality. Okay, like Pennywise. his entrance point is under, uh, is like next to a coastal town. Is it like in the movie <laughs> Pacific Rim? Yes. Right, okay. They are, they're, <laughs> they're they come beings. out from a Yeah, so they come out from rips it, through rips in reality. It rips yeah. in reality, So right. his rip in reality is under the sea, but that also works quite well for him because, mm. so confusingly, his thing is not that he wants everyone to be scared. He effectively wants to turn our reality into a kind of dark aquatic reality okay. like he's just really into the sea okay. and some of uh, Lovecraft stories and then a lot of stories from writers that like built on Lovecraft's lore mm-hmm. take place in the seaside towns round about where Cthulhu will rise mm-hmm. but it's not actually about Cthulhu it's about the people round about there that have basically yeah. started to turn into kind of awful mermaids yeah. so everyone that's in those towns that yeah that is leaking out into them so instead of like the Pennywise, the like fear spilling over into you, uh-huh. it's like the fishiness is spilling uh-huh. over into you. Children are born with like scales instead of skin, uh-huh. and sometimes people are born with gills instead of so human lungs, and they have to uh-huh. live under the water. The name Eldritch Horror, because again, quite a lot of people call it a Lovecraftian being, uh-huh. and Lovecraft came up with the first, literally the first Eldritch Horror. So in one of his very early novels, which was called The Unnamed Darkness, okay. the 
terror in it that people keep being confronted with, the mm-hmm. thing that's like ruining lives in it, is eventually named at the end as the Eldritch Dark. So they're basically saying like if you were to translate it into human tongue, it would be called the Eldritch Dark. Okay. And that's the title of this beast, which isn't really one of his famous beasts, but it mm-hmm. kind of kick-started this whole idea. It's one of many of the outer gods in his writings, which then goes on to inspire lots of other people, because the outer gods are gods that exist outside of or in between realities that instead of being like all loving gods are either they're monsters that live yeah. in this place right they're I like, read that it was called Todash yes and that's where Pennywise comes from and that's where all the monsters from the mist comes from yes mm-hmm. and when I was like, making I was talking about Pacific yeah. Rim uh-huh. the film The Mist there's a, a like a com- like bunch oh, of scientists I yeah really I was trying to think of the name they're called oh. the Arrowhead Project you know in The Mist there's like the military are trying to cover something up mm-hmm. or there's military experiments or they do something and they've just called the Arrowhead Project and they've um, created something called a finny that allowed monsters from the Todash species to come through the mist. Mm-hmm. So, so they're all that's kind of like a rip in reality. Rip so in reality, like... yeah. Sorry, yeah. And then I think that's what I think quite interesting about it as well because it, it's almost this idea which again, Lovecraft came up, obviously horror existed before Lovecraft mm-hmm. but he came up with this idea of rips in reality and right. gaps in between in between realities yeah. where these things could leak through but when they're like godlike because they're so powerful mm. but it's not even like they're anti-gods because some of them are evil yeah. but then if you think of like the story of Cthulhu it's not actually that Cthulhu is evil Cthulhu doesn't but care about humanity yeah. Cthulhu just happens to influence things to turn more nautical I suppose <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's his effect on his yeah his effect on everything round yeah, about him is he's not deliberately doing anything and even if you think of Pennywise is one of these beings well Pennywise is arguably evil because he feeds on fear but actually that's what he feeds on so in in his reality there's like free floating clouds of fear that he can almost like suck up and consume is that why he says they all float down here or is that not relevant Uh, oh maybe I've never understood that or is it to do with the deadlights that you float or is it it to dash whatever from or is it that he's removed the feed energy from the dead kids and maybe it's floating because it's always Fuck like a cloud as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that phrase, I think floats down here. Like, they all float down here, Georgie. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's in reference to. But I, whatever it is, it's almost like you could argue he's slipped through into our reality. He mm. needs to eat fear to survive. He's not a human. Why like, every 27 years as well, that's odd. It's like feasting Like times famine. is different. Yeah, well, I suppose. But... You wouldn't like say a person's evil because they live by the sea. And Are you trying fishing. to defend Pennywise? Well, here? no, I'm not. But yeah, but yeah. the <laughs> idea of the like elder beings isn't <laughs> that they're. But, no, but like he's trying to defend. Like a vampire feeds off like blood of other people, but he could eat a vampire could just be evil and like kill you or just suck a wee bit or hold, feed off animals. I mean, I suppose he's yeah. To be fair, he's not. He's a fucking yeah. bastard. But then, how would you if if your food source is fear? How would you harvest fear without terrifying people? Go to a slaughterhouse, there's plenty of fear there yeah, for tricks. Fair point, Don't okay. He's a right interdimensional <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he's evil, he's evil. I pulled this quote off of TV Quotes, the website, because okay. I just thought this is a really good way to describe it. So, Eldritch abominations are a type of creature defined by their complete disregard for natural laws, which ties into the deadlights thing. Mm. So, like, how would people perceive them or what would they look like? Uh, they are out with the universe as we understand them. So, even when they're in our universe, 
They then have to alter their grotesque mockeries of reality beyond comprehension, whose disturbing otherness can be cannot be encompassed in anything similar to a mortal tongue. I just enjoyed that quote. See in Stephen King's books and are all the kind of fucked up stuff that happen in his novels part of the Tordash, do you think, or part of the well, interdimensional things, or is it just Coincidence. It could be because there's this idea in Lovecraft that if there was like a tiny rip in reality, Mm. so like a rip the size of a freckle, if it was like on this table, it would be influencing us because whatever the nearest being was to that. So say the nearest being to that. You're saying in the the Shining that was they were influencing Jack Torrance in that hotel, and that's how he ended up in the picture. Like the energy from that but because they feed off energy so say there was like a rip that was just the size of a freckle but the yeah. being closest to it on the other side fed on sadness mm-hmm. so it could try to influence us to be sad, sad. and it would suck our sadness <gasps> through that little hole well, to feed on so yeah that's why I'm depressed as fuck all the time there's because a there's an elder horror and to stop having to take drugs there. to keep out <laughs> that makes so much sense <laughs> yeah so as you guys said like these things appear in a lot of writings, not just Stephen King's writings, but there's a lot of mm. in his writings. So, as well as Lovecraft, uh, they appear in the works of King, Kiernan, Chambers, Milton, Edgar Allan Poe, loads of comic books, so Hellboy, yeah. Starro, Doom Patrol, Lock and Key, the character Mephisto from Marvel Comics, they are all either fighting or are, like Mephisto and... Um, Starro both are Eldritch Horrors. Well, Starro's a big kaiju thing, is it? Oh, not from space. Where the fuck well, is it? It's not really from space, so it's it found in space. Right, it's found because in space. it falls through, or because you know it starts <laughs> off like the size of an actual starfish. Yeah. So it's found in space because it comes through. Right. And a, a dimension. A, re- a dimensional rip. Right. And then they bring it to Earth, and then what it feeds on is basically your your thoughts it feeds on thought patterns yeah because it attaches so, itself yeah, to it you it attaches itself to your mind your mind becomes blank so it can eat your thought patterns which makes it bigger oh. and bigger until it turns into a but it's the, I felt sorry for Starro because it was basically tortured wasn't it it, it, it didn't want to it was used it was yeah, kept somewhere it was tortured and kept but it kind of goes back to what we were saying about Pennywise oh, because, okay. but it still it's not, fe- it's not it still anymore. feeds on thoughts so the only way for it to survive is to remove all thoughts from people's heads over and over and over again (sighs) it also and I've still not watched Attack on Titan but I know you've recommended it Attack on Titan is arguably based on eldritch horrors they like interdimensional well I don't know there was never really an explanation for where the titans came from because as far as I know I think they're an experiment because some of the titans are humans and if they get bitten or something they turn into a titan which is like, not I haven't it. watched it all, so I don't know um, where the Titans come from. But there is some sort, maybe like the Arrowhead Project, where they've linked in to opening up these Titans, the, the natural ones from another dimension, and then to fight them, they've maybe experimented on humans to become Titans to fight against other Titans. Which, I suppose, technically. You wouldn't like become an eldritch horror, but if you were influenced by it enough, like let's say there was a like rip in reality in your bed and you were sleeping on top of it every night, like that would warp you. Into well, they're still inside. They're still in. They don't become a titan completely. It's just like a a titan gets built up around it, so they're inside the titan. So you become like a host or something, like a big titan puppet, basically. <laughs> You're inside it, pulling the strings. Oh, okay. So. 
the I was just going to cover cover like a couple okay. of Lovecraft monsters that kind of were the inspiration for all of these ongoing monsters. So he talks about Cthulhu, who I don't think would particularly influence King. I don't think any of his books have no. much to do with Cthulhu, but he's obviously the most famous one. The other most famous being from Lovecraft's books is Azathoth. No, um, which is a huge amorphous blob. Oh, like the blob in the 50s film? The blob? Kind of, but <laughs> because it's so huge, there's Always... never been a rip that's opened up that's big okay. enough for it to get through. But it's on the edge of many rips, and the way that it controls people is to, and again, this isn't an influence of King, I don't think, that I'm aware of, but it's definitely, I would say, Freddy Krueger-esque. It whispers into, okay. yeah, that's it. But it's so massive, it's never It looks like a giant through. lamprey worm thing. It's got it teeth in the like, middle. It, um, not June, the... Yeah, the, the, the desert, the sand, yeah, the sand, the sand snakes. snakes. Yeah, sand snakes. Or the Mongolian death worm. Yeah, it does have... Yeah, it looks like a death worm. Has he got a thing for tentacles? Yes. Right. Quite a lot well, of them have tentacles. So mm. this one, um, I think, is actually based on a cross between a tentacle and a penis. Not <laughs> that's my view from seeing the image. I think because... I think a bum hole rather than a bum hole. Again, like, I mean, yes, it was a bit of a bum hole as well. An asshole with tentacles. Yeah. Because of when he was writing, as well as being a massive racist, he was obviously very, very puritanical. So he thought everyone should be Christian, which means that quite often these things do have a lot of um, phallic and vaginal madness going on because I think if he was... <laughs> Vaginal madness. I feel like that could be a film. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting porno. But is he really disturbed? Like really, really disturbed? Or someone oh, yeah, like, to him with a child? Yeah, I was yeah, going to we'll say. We'll do an episode on him. Yeah, because, okay, yeah, we will. We'll cover a, that later. He had a fucked up life and was a fucked up oh. person. Um, but yeah, so this being like whispers to you in your dreams, and part of the which against Freddy Krueger-esque, but part yeah. of the the thing that he attached to it was that. It whispers to you in your dreams to make you blaspheme because he thought if you weren't committed to Christianity you were evil oh, okay. which is one of his less impressive works my favourites are the Yucubian Cubes the Yucubian Cubes don't even know what that's very imaginative that. so Yucubian <laughs> so fascinating Y-E-K he's doing great oh with a Y Y-E-K U-B-I-A-N apostrophe S Cubes because they belong to the Yucubian um, sort of Yucubians I think were the influence for Starro you can buy a t-shirt that says Cthulhu on it so the um, Yucubian cubes I mean it's I don't know if they'll be an image so that's a Yucubian right so a Yucubian's a yeah, kind of weird again it just looks like a technical thing they look like the little guys out of uh, Men in Black <laughs> that drink too much beer and go Way! oh okay <laughs> um, so weird like really so they leave they push cubes through the tiny rips into our reality why and the Yucubian cubes are sorry I love this they're four inch crystalline cubes they basically look like little shiny jelly cubes right and they send them into our dimension because much like Starro they like to feed on people's capacity to think so it's almost like making us dumb they make you not even they make you dumb yeah, it's effectively like they almost cause like dementia and things like oh. that so they poke one through so it's like falling into your house and it slowly eats your capacity to think because oh. that's what they feed on in their reality oh right so it turns you out so it explains Alzheimer's and dementia yeah wow that's fucked up and then my favourite 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 one which I think has definitely influenced King is the black goat of the woods male yep 
So the black goat of the woods is a bit like a lady it. So she's able to take almost any form like it. Our favourite form is a really, really short goat that walks on its hind legs and kind of appears like a cronish woman. So it's got like a hideous old woman face, uh-huh. but with goat horns and a goat It sounds body. like a lot of the myths yeah. that we've covered. It lurks in towns near woodlands, so basically it likes if there's a rip near a woodland, she's mm, like, I'm going to crawl yeah. through here, have a wee snuffle about, which is why she's the black goat of the woods. And it influences other people to confuse you, or tries to confuse you through the way it changes its appearance, but it wants to subtly confuse you, okay. so you know you're confused, but you don't know why you're confused. Is it like when you walk into a room... And you forget why you went into that room? Yes, because one of the abilities it has... So see the thing I was talking about, like, when you look into the deadlights, so if Uh you walk into the room and she's forgotten to hide and she's standing in the room, you'll be overwhelmed with confusion, so you'll walk back out the room and be like, (laughs) what did I go in there? And then you'll be like, oh, I went in to get my purse, and you'll go back in, and by that time she'll have hidden, but she'll also be like under your jacket, like snuffling up your confusion, going like, "Mm." Mm, (laughs) yum, 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 It's a bit like in Twin Peaks, where the, the... the ghosts of the lodge feed off, or the evil things feed off of Gar- Garmin Bosia, which is su- people suffering. Yeah, they would. Uh, so yeah, the more definitely. someone has fear and suffering, the more Garmin Bosia you produce, and then yeah, they eat that up. Eat. Basically, that's what Killer Bob. Yeah, they, they would be. And Judy is like, like the mother of evil. And- and she appeared as a result of a big nuclear explosion, or that maybe released her from whatever fucking dimension she was from. Well, on the Mother of Evil thing as well, part of the reason that I also love her is because she's called the Mother of Monsters. So there's this idea <laughs> that like she gave birth to Bigfoot, she gave oh, birth oh. to like all your kind of nature cryptids. It's okay. basically like she snuffled up awesome. all of the confusion <laughs> until it fills up her womb, and then she births out the confusion in a confusing form and then use it to kind of run wild. <laughs> so weird. So like massive fan of hers. There's also a really good short story that I read called Red Goat, Black Goat by Nadia Buchan, which I'm not going to talk about because that could be another podcast, but people who are listening should read it. It's yeah. really, and you should also oh. go read it. It's really, really good. So seeing it, this always used to bother me every time I watched it, it was because he feeds off fear, if you, so he can't physically like hurt you though, right? So if you just decide to not be scared, does mm, he does kill you. No, he eats you. Know, if, if you don't get scared, he can't do anything to you, right? But the more he's, the better feet he's getting, the more powerful he becomes. So if you're not scared of him, he's uh-huh. not going to become more powerful. So I suppose it would be a bit like fighting an adult man if he's not, if you're not scared of him. And if you are scared of him, it's like fighting. He uses adults to get basically his his food because he uses them that Billy Bowers to uh-huh. bully and try and kill the kids or get them because mm-hmm. again if you imagine the oh, because he black goat lady yeah, hiding but... under a chair yeah, uh-huh. in your confusion yeah he's getting somebody else to frighten them so that he can eat their fear okay because he can't he literally he eats them. Touch you, so he's going to get an adult. To come yeah, to so but it's like you said, it's yeah. like the Maggie the Hat thing. So an adult mm. scaring the child, and then there's like this invisible cloud coming off the child that so he's, he's like and he's eating here. the cloud. Yeah, he yeah. he does consume the child. Because that used to always bother me before I was watching. I was like, what if you just don't be scared? Like I know it's scary, but what if you just just ignore him? Kind of like it's a bit difficult to ignore the thing that you know you're scared of. But if you kind of convince yourself it's not real, it's not real, it's not real, and just decide not to be. Scared. Would that 
then diminishes power. Is that a bit like in The Labyrinth where um, she says to the Goblin King, you have no power over me, uh-huh. and then that like, basically destroys him? Yeah. But then it would be so difficult to do because, yeah, after, <laughs> like, if Ronald McDonald appeared outside that But then he has the deadlights. And then appeared behind the two of you, I wouldn't be like, that's not real. I'd be like, oh my God, Ronald McDonald's actually like popping about yeah, the place. Okay, if Ronald McDonald was to appear outside those doors this very minute, I think we'd all be fucking running away. I think if anyone appears in place. <laughs> <laughs> like you earlier, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Do you know I can't sit in rooms like this where like you can see the outside because it really creeps really? me out. I always feel like I need to close the curtains properly. I mean, David and I were tidying up this. We were in our dining room at the moment recording this. And um, I looked around, and one of the little cats that liked to visit was at the window, going like this, like oh rubbing God, its paws on the window to get in. It was quite weird. Scary. Big windows don't normally scare me, but because we've talked about Ronald McDonald being at it, you think yes. he's going to appear at that? Are you going to think someone might show up at that window? It doesn't scary. bother me. No, a person no. can run up to it if they want, but not a climb. So back to Stephen King. Then, what are our thoughts on I Stephen King awesome. in general? Are you inspired yes. to go back and read more of his books? Definitely. Yeah, I think that's yeah. kind of made me. I think I might go back and read a lot more of his books, but it's a lot to get through, mm. like 60 yeah. of them, and then short stories and all that kind of stuff. But start with the short stories. Yeah. Like or if you're really lazy, you can just watch all the movies and TV shows that were based on True. <laughs> Like, I actually do have a. I've read Cell, which is about cellular mm. phones or mobile yeah. phones. Cellular phones, like I don't know if Americans still use the term my cell phone. It's a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I read that novel and then I noticed like months ago film with Samuel Jackson based on. I never knew they made a movie out of it. I don't know whether it was direct to video or if it went in the cinema. And I've still got it recorded on my like Skybox, but I haven't watched it. You should watch that when we leave tonight. Maybe I should. I'm just worried it'll be shit, that's the thing. Well, that's why it's okay for it to be Stephen King, right, when we were speaking about Anne Rice um, in our last podcast, mm. um, she really hated the idea of Tom Cruise being cast as her mm. her favourite character, Lestat. Oh. Stephen King famously hated the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining, which has its oh. own mythos behind it. There's loads of people that have bought into the conspiracy of, like... There's lots of hidden clues mm. that um, Kubrick wanted to tell people uh-huh. in that movie. Okay. Like, for instance, Daniel Torrance is wearing like an Apollo 11 yeah, jumper, jumper. And the rumour is that Kubrick actually filmed the astronauts landing on the moon in a studio. <laughs> and that was okay. his way of telling people well, that he, <laughs> he did that. I really that. like that conspiracy theory because it's yeah. just so random that it's Stanley Kubrick as if they just couldn't do it themselves. <laughs> like, we need to get Kubrick No, because in. he did 2001 A Space Odyssey, so they mm. thought he would probably be the best man for the job. He's to, still got the background. To, well, <laughs> the, the theory is that they actually did go to the moon, but their technology was so shit that they, they couldn't film it. So they had to film it on a... TV studio uh-huh. to broadcast to, to the masses, to yeah. Broadcast. So it'll look like you know they, they see them, them landing on the moon, or something, a, or maybe they never went to the moon and they didn't quite make it, but they had to save face for the Russians, so they got Kubrick to make the film. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. my point is that Stephen King really hated Kubrick's version of his novel The Shining mm. so much so that he had his own TV miniseries made of The Shining that was based on his that. actual book because a lot of the stuff in the Kubrick film was bullshit from his novel like the um, it, it didn't end with like 
his dad, Jack Torrance, dying frozen hilariously in a maze. <laughs> it actually ended up with a boiler exploding and that's how he died. Mm. And there was also scenes with the uh, the maze. No, there was like you know how these sculptures you sculpt mm. with your like sculptor bush yeah. <laughs> sculptors. Take your they, t- uh, yeah. Well they there was a scene in the book where they move about and okay. scare like mm. Danny. Okay. But they didn't do that in the Kubrick film either. So mm. he had all the bits from his novel put oh, in his own miniseries. But to be honest, it was a lot of fucking shite. Is that what we're yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. Oh, fair enough. And he was a lot, and also he hated the fact that Shelley Long was a brunette in it because, and quite mm. tell, like, because in his book, his Danny's mum was just a blonde bimbo bitch, basically, right. stupid woman, blonde, you know. And the, his dad just that, abused. Kind of stereotype though, like not just built a blonde mm. bimbo. Although Kubrick did actually psychologically terrorise poor yeah, Shelley to the point she never recovered. Maybe he is. An Eldrick horror. Maybe he is. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. a bastard! No, I've heard that she's generally terrified. Yeah, he deliberately like, did it to her over and over and over again, and he said everyone, everyone treat her like shit, basically, so that she was constantly in bondage. Yeah, psychologically scarred for the rest of her life. So no, he's dead now. What are you gonna do? (laughs) You could dig him up and give him a slap. So yeah, that's a shame. But I'm a big fan of Stephen King actually, and I think it's probably maybe a lot of people think it's not cool. Like he's he's probably one of the most well-known horror horror novelists, and I don't think really anyone can actually better him in terms of horror novels. I've not read I've not read a lot of horror novels that I think. Is as good as there Stephen King. There's an author that I like. I can't remember right now, but when I stopped reading the Stephen King books, I went on this other author, and his mm-hmm. books were actually amazing. To be fair, but I okay. Can't <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> irrelevant. That was really, really pointless. It's a but, pointless statement. But um, at least we all know that someone is. There good. is someone out there that I think <laughs> is on par with him. Okay. Like Big compliment to that person. Yeah. Well, I kind of think like when Stephen King <laughs> dies. Which I hope will be, won't be for a very long time, but his son is probably just as good. Like he has novels out, and he's followed in his dad's footsteps by writing horror novels, and I think they're quite good. Heart Shaped Box is one of them, and oh. one of them was adapted called Horns with um, Daniel Radcliffe, where he wakes up with horns on his head. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think I've seen that. You've seen that one, yeah. yeah. The author's James Herbert. James Herbert. Yeah, who like wrote the rats in the fog in the layer. Like, no, I never heard that. No, I've never heard that. The rats is terrifying, like genuinely terrifying. It's a lot like kind of. So it's called James Herbert. James Herbert. Okay, well. That's who I started reading after the same thing. Okay, listeners, yeah. Yasmin endorses James Herbert, so <laughs> she recommends check that out. Go to your local library, support your local library, or you know whatever. Don't buy it off or Amazon. Yeah, exactly. No, don't don't don't, don't buy it from a Kindle. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, that covers Stephen King then. What do you think in general? How can we summarise that? Uh, yay, Stephen King. Read we like books. you. Yeah. We, like, we love you. <laughs> yeah, I think he's great. Um, I mean, he's, he's probably, not all his novels are, are brilliant, you know, but, but I would like to say to Stephen King, stop thinking you're shite because you're good. Yeah. 
Yes, we, we like you, and that's the main thing. Really. Yeah, <laughs> you have the Crystal Myth podcast seal of approval, <laughs> and what could anyone wish for more than that? Exactly. I think that was what um, is it Tabitha, his wife? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. when she originally fished that little manuscript out the bin, she thought, "I really hope one day Crystal Myth podcast say say that they think this is really good." <laughs> That was all she wanted. Like life aspirations. You can die happy now. Yes. So let's. What's the topic for next week? Uh, let's look, let's try and not do another offer because I know we'll have class on the, the list now. But no, it's okay. I've not put them on yet. So okay. How many have we got? I say as though I'm not the one looking at the list. Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Mm. I mean that's. Never you, actually you seen the list. I know okay. you've never got to. Pick I mean, there's the number. more than thirteen on it. I just uh-huh. have numbers. Just pick one number. Uh, I'm going to pick number twelve. Number twelve. I can't read this. Right. Can't read it. West Virginia. West Virginia. That's it. That's all what? it says. Why is that a topic? Because West Virginia is the state with more reported cryptid sightings than any other ah. state in the whole of the US. Oh, okay. So if anyone's listening out there. From West Virginia in the we'll USA. We're going to do an episode on you. Yeah, yes. you, you sound all special in that. If you want to tell us, if you are, if you know any stories from West Virginia, why not email us at Crystal yeah. Myth at mail. That's M I. No, M A I. I can't spell good. M I three Right, our email address is. Crystal Myth Podcast at mail as in M A I L dot com, or you can tweet us at podcast underscore myth, or you can contact us on Facebook. Just look up Crystal Myth Podcast, you'll find a group and a page. You can just let us know there if you've got any stories about West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't have to be even cryptids, it could be any kind of weird shit in West Virginia. Yeah, any. Weird. Yeah, weird stuff. Then. I think that should be mm-hmm. the, the title of next week's episode, Weird West, West Virginia. West Virginia, is that a song? Yeah. Yeah, I keep saying West Country, Country Road. Road. I fucking hate that song. They played it everywhere. John Denver. John Denver. Cryptid. The John Denver experience that came up on South Park. I always have to mention South Park. <laughs> it's so fucked up. The John Denver experience. I think because Kenny was trying to get his mum to abort her baby or miscarry her baby so he put her on the John Denver experience <laughs> which is basically just like a plane that goes up in the air and then starts crashing <laughs> in the water <laughs> <laughs> something that I'm sure Stephen King would love okay <laughs> right, well, Stephen King loves abortion <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he does I would just like to state that there's no evidence that Stephen King loves yeah, abortion I was reading that he he doesn't like Trump, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, he doesn't like Trump, he doesn't like organised religions. Mm. He believes that there's God, but that's it. You know what, and that's fair enough. And our fear. Yeah, basically. I, I could probably agree with him on that point, so... On that note, love it's you. bye from me. Ciao, ciao. No, we're not saying bye. love you. Bye! Love bye! Yay! Chris, <laughs> <laughs>